0: This is the SSBI podcast. This is all about Microsoft Power BI. My name is Lars Schreiber. So let's kick it off. Alberto Ferrari, ladies and gentlemen. It's good to see you here, man. Thanks for being here. Great to have you on the show. Thank you, Lars. It's a very big pleasure to be here. And by the way, you pronounce it Alberto Ferrari very, very well. <laughs> That's because, as I said a couple of minutes before, um, I listened to a lot of your videos and Marco's videos, so I'm, I'm very used to pronounce your name, I think. Um, by the way, that, that was a funny experience. I guess the first time I met you in person, I'm, I'm pretty sure you don't remember, was 2018 in the house of Chuck Sterling. You were st- really. You were standing next to Peter Myers, and you were talking about conferences and um, if you feel comfortable and not and what works and whatnot. And I was standing next to you both, and I listened to you talking, and it was like I was watching one of your videos because I never met you before, but talking to your voice was so familiar for me because I watch all the videos of Marco and you that it was really strange. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it happened a few times that people tell, told me that uh,
1: it looks like they already knew me before just because they have seen my videos. And I guess this is going to be even worse because now that we started the YouTube channel, a lot of our videos are there out for free for everybody. And uh, yeah, probably a lot of people will, will learn
0: DAX and Power BI again with an Italian accent. Which is one one thing. Which is okay completely. People understand what you're talking about. That's that it's all about. That was my struggle when I started this podcast. I, I knew I have an accent. I knew my English is not perfect, and I was thinking about not doing it. But go for it. Yeah, but I read a couple of times
1: people that say that they should rename Dax and call it Dax A. Because we always say Dax A. And uh, that's the Italian way of pronouncing dax. I have never noticed that. Yeah, because you are German. Uh, whenever you speak English, that's a problem that we have as Italians. Uh, we do not cut the words at the end of a sentence. At the end of a word, we do, th- we do not just stop talking. We always think on the last uh, part of the word. So if I need to say dax, uh, that will come as dax or dax. Uh,
0: and that uh, that sound... Is when I'm thinking. Oh, okay, now now I know what you're talking about. And honestly, I thought it's called Daxe. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, <laughs> that's what I told you.
1: <laughs> we basically changed the name of a language Yeah, because made... of our accent.
0: Great. Um, w- That's w- where I met you in the US. So traveling is almost gone due, due to the pandemic. We all work from home now. You sit in your home office, I sit in mine. Um, how is that for you? You were used to travel a lot before the pandemic for giving training courses and stuff all over the world. Um, How is work from home for you now? And will you go back to uh, traveling a lot when the pandemic is over or how will that be?
1: Uh, Well, that's actually two very different questions uh, because, uh, yeah, we were used to travel a lot and uh, I kind of... I have a mixed feeling when I think about traveling because on one side, traveling a lot is not really fun because you basically see airports, hotels, and conference rooms. You do not really enjoy traveling. I visited a lot of cities and I have no idea what these cities are. Just to give you an example, I, I've been in London maybe 20 times and I've never seen London. Then I went in London for a vacation with my family. And since then, I really enjoy London because I have seen the town. I just had a pleasure walking around. Traveling for work is very different. The good thing about traveling for work is meeting a lot of people. And that is the thing that I really miss. What I miss is meeting students, meeting people of the team, meeting different people and talk with them. That is no longer happening And uh, that is something that I'm really missing. On the other hand, we had uh, such a huge amount of work to do that was always delayed because of travels. And now this last year, I have to say that uh, even though it was not the best year of my life, but I liked 2020 because uh, I had the opportunity of uh, learning a lot of stuff. Uh, I mean, I never recorded videos at home. I never understood the complexity of audio recording and all the gear that is needed to make that work uh, the right way. Yeah. The lights, the cameras, all this stuff was, uh, was a totally unknown world to me. And I had to learn it. So I spent a lot of time
0: enjoying that. Try to buy some video or audio equipment right now. There are many people who discovered this topic in 2020, the first time in their life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. I mean, as of now, buying uh, any kind of equipment
1: uh, is uh, is hard. But I learned so much, and uh, I took the time to, to take uh, training for myself. I mean, uh, I'm trying to learn how to Pronounce words better to to speak a better English to be to understood to be understood by people. I'm learning how to how to speak how to use my voice the right way. I'm learning a lot. So, 2020 was a a very nice year from uh, this point of view because I had the time to do stuff that I have never done before. On the other hand, I miss I miss traveling. I miss uh, meeting new people. I miss uh, the freedom of uh, meeting people uh, because I was used to that. So my hope is that as soon as this pandemic goes away, and it's like we are now seeing uh, the light at the end of a tunnel. So probably we will uh, we will start traveling again, maybe before the end of the year. And I hope we Hopefully, will start yeah. doing uh, again, uh, again trainings and meetings and conferences. Conferences, to me, are a different topic. I don't know how how easy it will be to start again doing uh, real conferences, because, uh, well, because we will see, we will see what's uh, what's going to happen. But it's likely that a lot of people will uh, will will be used to stay at home, will be used to consume videos on YouTube instead of watching people uh, live. Hmm. So maybe something will change in the habits of people. For sure it' changed this year was very different than all the other ones for me,
0: but it's probably the same for everybody, yeah, that's true for almost anyone on this planet at least um yeah, it's I guess we are lucky that this pandemic thing is in wasn't twenty twenty and not twenty years earlier because now we can. Okay use all these uh, technical devices to connect. Um, my children can see their grandparents uh, using WhatsApp or whatever technology because um, contact is, is a, a problem. And uh, for, for businesses, it's the same thing. Um, so you can connect, but you can't see them. And um, that's, that's a different story. Having a beer together after a, um, a training <coughs> or a conference or whatever is, is something I miss myself. Yeah, but besides, think at, think at uh, kids, uh,
1: children. As adults, we can uh, lose a year of time. That means uh, basically money. So we don't earn money for some time because of the pandemic. But for children, if they lose going to school for a year or for two years, it's not just money. It's a moment in their life that will never repeat itself. So they need to learn something in a precise moment of their growth, and you cannot shift it later or do it earlier. So if they cannot go to school for a year, that is an op- a missed opportunity that never will be repaired. So the fact that they have been able to do to go to school in a, a virtual environment and see their teachers in a cam and proceed with learning, even though they reduce. Uh, with a reduced uh, result, uh, that is invaluable. Otherwise, uh, the pandemic could have created a damage to the entire society for for many, many years.
0: I I heard a saying in Germany, and I'm not sure if I can translate it accurately into English, but um, our everyday life is their childhood. So... What's the same for you every day is what they call childhood, and childhood is a different ta- uh, is a special time in in your life. So yeah, I think that's what you what you mean. Yeah, it's a it's a moment that you cannot
1: uh, you cannot recover, you cannot uh, repeat later. Yeah, it's, uh...
0: that's true. So I guess we all learned that working from home is possible. But connecting with people in person is a different thing, and should happen um, as as much as possible, or as much as needed is is probably the better answer.
1: Yeah, yeah, even because the more people you, I mean, meeting people is what uh, exposes you to diversity, to to meeting different habits. One thing that I loved about traveling is meeting people that are so different from me. They have different habits, different culture, different way of thinking, a different way of uh, approaching problem or asking questions. and that is really a to me that's the most important thing that you learn by traveling. If you just stay at home, you end up thinking that uh, the world is exactly as you see the world. actually, the world is very different I mean. You are German, I'm Italian, we for sure have different habits. Yes. They both are good. What's the point? The kind of stuff that you eat in the morning, I will never be able to eat it in the morning. But if it's good for
0: you, that's fine. Oh, I usually eat nothing in the morning. That should be possible for you. Really? (laughs) I I eat a ton of food in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) You cannot even talk to me until I had some food. No. I can't eat in the morning. It does, simply doesn't work. But when you are talking about meeting different people who think differently and, and talk differently, you're basically talking about meeting Marco, right? <laughs> yeah,
1: no, Marco. Yeah, Marco is different than me. Totally, we have uh, we have a complete different way of looking at. Uh, I would say everything. You know, we were friends long before we started working together for a lot of... uh, Well, I had my own company uh, with some partners and when I was, uh, I don't know even when, it was probably like 20 years ago, I fought with my partners and I had to go out of uh, my own company. That was not a problem. I mean, it it looked like a huge problem at the time, but it was not. But I suddenly had nothing to do from one day to the other. So one, one morning I woke up and I say, you know what, I used to be the CEO of a company and uh, starting from today, I'm Mr. Nobody. So I have no idea what will be my next job. And uh, what do you do when uh, you don't know anything about your future job? I started talking with friends and I visited them all. So I went to visit all of my friends to understand what they were doing. As you can guess, all of my friends are geeks, so we all work in the computer (laughs) world. And so you meet somebody that does web design, somebody else that does development with .NET or stuff like that. And every time I saw them doing stuff, I said, that is boring. I don't want to do that for the next part of my life. Eventually, I went to visit Marco, too. He was my friend at the time. And he showed me for the first time in my life a pivot table. What? I had never seen a pivot Yeah. When was that? I had that? never seen... Oh, that was nineteen ninety something Okay. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, at the end... No, no, it was later, probably around 2000. Something like 20 years ago, yeah. Okay. 2000, 2002, I don't remember the date. But I remember the feeling of seeing a pivot table for the first time. And because I was the CEO of a company earlier, before that, uh, I looked at a pivot table and I immediately appreciated the value of a pivot table. Mm -hmm. I said, that's amazing. It's like having a dynamic report that you can make compute whatever you want. I was so excited that at the end of my visit, I just told Marco, you know what? This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. So learning how to build these pivot tables is what I really like. And uh, he was already working in the business intelligence at the time. So gave me books to read, uh, stuff to learn. uh, And then we started. We started working together, which is uh, very, it's strange because if anybody asked me, would you start working with a friend? I would say, no, don't do that. Never mix uh, your job and uh, friendship because it's too dangerous. You can become friend of somebody you work with, but you cannot work with somebody who is already a friend. It's very likely that you will lose your friendship. Mm-hmm. It didn't happen with Marco. It, uh, we quickly learned that we can work together because uh, we are a company together and uh, there are things that he hates to do and I love them. And there are things that I hate to do and uh, he loves them. Ah, oh, that's great. So we never have to discuss about who is going to do what. I do what I like. He does what he likes. And by pure luck, nothing but luck, it happens that the combination of the two aspects of our characters work together in generating a mix that uh, that actually works. So Marco is much more technical than me. He can spend hours learning all the details of the bits and he's happy in doing that. Whereas uh, I'm much more theoretical, I like theory. I, Even from the duck's point of view, when something doesn't work, I struggle in trying to understand uh, why, what are the reasons, what is the semantic of the language, What uh, what is the expected behavior. And I can spend days uh, trying to understand that. Whereas he, from his point of view is always, no, I need to understand how it works from the inside. I don't care about the theory. I'm only interested in uh, the technical details. So if you put both of us together on a problem, we typically come out with a good solution because we see both different aspects and uh, and we create a good solution. Or when we write a book, whenever we write a book, I write part of the parts of the book and I know, for example, that I can be less precise in the description of things because whatever I write will go through Marco first. So if there is any error, he will find it. And uh, if he needs to write an article, he focus only on the, asp- on the technical aspect, sends me an article which is very technical and impossible to understand, and I spend time doing my job, that is making it understandable. At the end, you always see the work of two people working together. Each one is giving its best in the aspect that we cover, uh, that we cover better. So I think we were extremely lucky because uh, we never thought about working together before I quit my previous company and when it happened that we started working together we we work well together and besides i think the most important thing is that i i mean i work with marco and i totally know that i can trust him so it's i never have uh, to even think about uh, he might do something uh, not to damage but not having uh, our company, SQL BI, has uh, the the main goal. So we always work together, and we never think about ourselves. We think about working together, doing our best. And one thing we have in common is that we we both strive for perfection. So if something is not uh, the top quality,
0: then it's not good enough, and we need to to start again. I guess that's something you didn't need to mention because everybody knows it.
1: No, I mean, um, I don't know if you ever had, uh, when you talk with somebody, they say, well, this work is good enough. We can now publish it or go for it or go in uh, production with that. And you know that uh, your work is not yet perfect, but of course the business has requirements. Whereas with me and Marco, if the work is not uh, what we think is perfect, then it's never perfect. We know that uh, no work is ever perfect. We publish books that we didn't like, but we liked them when we wrote them. And with better knowledge later, you look at your previous work and say, whoa, that was totally wrong. But when we published that, that was the top that we could do. So I'm pretty sure that if I will look back at what we are doing right now in a few years, I will have the same feeling. Like, uh, oh, it's totally wrong. Now I could do
0: that much better. Yeah, but, but I also know that you you develop. That's that's a good thing or not? Yeah, it is.
1: But we know that what whatever we publish whatever we do is the best that we can do with the knowledge we have uh, Hmm. at the moment. It's never perfect, but we don't have to discuss that. So I can tell Marco, hey, uh, the slide deck for the next training is almost ready, but I need to fix. I find a small mistake that requires me to review the entire content from scratch. (laughs) He will just say, okay, so do that that means we are gonna be a week later, that's fine, go ahead. It's never a matter of, uh, hey, we are not constrained by time. Hmm. If you ask to the book publishers that this is not a quality from their point of view, it's a big problem. Yeah,
0: I understand that. They
1: have deadlines. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's
0: how we work. That's how we, we like to do stuff. Um, be, before people are wondering why I ask such stupid questions, um, the there is an episode I recorded together with Marco. And, of course, I sent him an email and asked if he um, wants to be a guest together with you because I thought it's interesting to have the secret would guy guys together in my podcast. And he said... Mm, there are two reasons why this won't work or why this isn't a good idea. The first reason is you can have two podcast episodes if you do one after the other. The second is Alberto and me, we're so different that wouldn't work except we're to- we talking about technical stuff. And I thought, yeah. what? And um, I knew it wasn't meant in a bad way, uh, but uh, I needed to ask you uh, what you're thinking about this.
1: No, I, I totally agree with him but. Uh... I would go even farther than that. So we can we do not agree, not even when we're talking about technical stuff. If you... You should ask either Daniela or Claire. Daniela and Claire, they are the hidden part of SQL BI. Mm-hmm. Daniela is the web designer and the, he develops all the stuff and the graphical stuff at SQL BI. And Claire, he's the, she's the customer support English and... Uh, all these details, and they see us uh, discussing uh, topics because we have meetings and we discuss uh, what to do next. Between me and Marco, it's never talking. It's always fighting <laughs> at, at a level that you, you really cannot imagine. But uh, I give to this uh, a, a huge value. So I love to fight with somebody that I trust from the intellectual integrity point of view. So I know that I can say whatever comes to my mind and the other person will criticize me, will tell me that I'm doing it wrong because that makes me feel free to do whatever I want knowing that there is somebody that limits me, that stops me before doing something wrong. And he's very strong on that. And I know this is to me the most important thing, that he's not uh, doing that uh, just for the pleasure of a fight. He's doing that because he thinks that I'm doing something wrong, so he stops me or he tries to discuss with me. This is good if we are having meetings, but can you imagine if anything like that happens during a session or during a meeting with other people that do not know about this way of interacting between me and Marco? You will never see, for example, me and Marco together on stage to deliver a session. We did it in the past and we reached a point where we understood that uh, it's not feasible. If I listen to Marco explaining something, I feel the need to tell him, Marco, you are doing (laughs) that wrong. You cannot explain stuff like this. But I can't. So you are there on stage, listening to the other person speaking and inside your heart, something is burning because they say, I need to tell me, I need to tell him. And that doesn't work. And it's the same for Marco. If I talk and he listens to me, he has the very same feeling. He wants to stop me and say, hey, what you said is not completely correct. You should say that in a different way. So we decided never to do sessions together, never to be in public together, explaining stuff. So you either experience Marco or me,
0: but it's very unlikely you will ever be able to experience both of us together. But you need to have anything in common to become friends, right? Uh... (laughs) uh... That thinking no
1: it's not really thinking Uh, i'm thinking whether this is actually i don't think so i i think my best friends they they share nothing with me meaning that we uh, we don't have a lot of things that we have in common but i don't need uh, somebody to have anything in common with me to be my friend What I want is somebody that uh, wants to listen to me. To me, the friend is uh, the person that you call when you have something to say. It can be either good or bad. That doesn't matter. Maybe you are depressed one day and you think, hey, I want to call that person. That to me means uh, he's a friend. Hmm. Or you are very happy. You are incredibly happy. Something beautiful happens to you. And again, you feel the need to share it with somebody and that somebody, again, is something that, somebody that you can call a friend. That feeling doesn't come from having anything in common, but uh, you know that that person will be the right one that is able to listen and to share with you a moment. And to that respect, I think both me and Marco, we are, we want to share things. If anything happens, uh, I would say that, yes, Mark is among the first person that I would like to share that moment with. So this makes him a friend. Then we are able to talk. We we are both geeks. That is important. Remember that when we started, there were not so many geeks on this planet. We started many, many years ago. And... uh, that the fact that we were working with computers was already a good reason to to engage and to start uh, spending time together
0: Th- that was very personal thanks for those insights um i never thought about these how can i say these qualities of a friendship um honestly most of my friends i would say all of my friends have a lot in common with me, because you need to have the same values, the same topics to talk about, and somehow friendships, at least in my cases, um, gets created by common things. You like the same sport, you meet people there, you become friends, and then this is automatically something you can talk about and you share. But um, yeah, that sounds absolutely understandable, what you said. I know From you, because we we already talked about that, that you and Marco at SQL BI have um, a special scoring for Power BI features that you get the most revenue from. So (laughs) Microsoft releases a new feature and users have um, a particularly high need uh, for consulting. So let me guess what the top two features are right now. I'd say... DQ over AS, and calculation groups. Yeah, yeah,
1: I I guess you're totally right. Even though, no, I guess you are right. To me, I mean, whenever Microsoft delivers a new feature, we are always excited because we are geeks. So we, new features are cool by definition. But sometimes uh, Microsoft delivers features that are extremely powerful. And if they are used the wrong way, they create a huge amount of damage. And uh, they do not deliver feature giving people the correct training or explaining how to use them. They just deliver the feature for to the world. So people start to use them and they destroy their model, they make the wrong calculations, They they produce wrong numbers, they hire consultants. And that's what generates revenues for consultants. So (laughs) a a powerful feature that that is very hard to use uh, has a very high score from the revenue point of view. Calculation groups, uh, yes, they are one of the best. Even though they are starting very slow, I would have expected calculation group to, to be used very quickly by the Power BI audience. Whereas right now I've seen few people really taking advantage of them. Maybe because they don't understand them completely, maybe because uh, you cannot create them from inside Power BI. You need to use tabular editor as of today to build a calculation group. Mm -hmm. And that uh, strongly limits uh, the usability of the feature. But for sure, they are a very powerful feature that uh, requires training and so people don't not having this training will create damage uh, hire consultants and again raise the value of uh, of the feature and the other one that just starts is dq again dq over as it's a it's a gigantic feature it, it's going to be change uh, once and forever the usability of power bi model and it's very easy to make damage with that I can easily imagine meetings where people will start to say, oh, so we will build one model for each table in our data model, and then we will bring them all together using DQ over AS, and that way we'll have maximum flexibility. Forgetting that performance will suck so much that (laughs) they will never use that model at all. But uh, that's it. Yeah, these are, in my opinion, the the top feature right now, but uh, we will see that later. So we will understand if our prediction is correct only in a couple of years, probably from now. What I can tell you is that the previous top feature in this uh, revenue list was bidirectional cross-filter. I remember meetings in Microsoft when they shown us bidirectional cross-filter and we told them, uh, well, that's kind of dangerous. Are you really willing to do that? Because
0: people will use it uh, the wrong way and they will compute wrong numbers. And uh, Especially when it is the default, uh, when you create relationships as it was not Exactly.
1: Beginning. I mean, their answer, Microsoft answer, was to make it as a default, uh, which was <laughs> the, the worst possible thing that they could do. Because... Uh, the model becomes too complex. Luckily, if there's one thing that we can say about Microsoft is that they do make mistakes as anybody else, but they're very open in admitting mistakes and correcting them. So after a few months with bidirectional cross filter turned on by default, they now turned it off. They still do not raise warning the right way. But we have seen people creating models that are wrong because of bidirectional cross-filter. There are other features that are better hidden in my opinion inside DAX. Uh, think at the behavior of expanded tables. Uh, expanded tables is not a common concept. A lot of people write DAX without knowing about the expanded tables and how the filter actually move around uh, in, uh, in their model, even though it's important to understand it because sometimes a filter works in a way that is not what you would expect. And I totally remember a student during a training, uh, uh, during the third day, we talk about expanded tables. And at the end of the section, uh, I called a break, so everybody was going to take some coffee. He start typing like crazy on his computer. And he was so concentrated in writing stuff uh, that I felt the need to go and watch what he was doing. He was writing DAX code. So it was mandatory for me to ask, hey, what are you doing? What is happening? He stopped me, looked at me and say, show me a model and say, so you are telling me that because of expanded table, if I filter this table, the filter goes there, then there, then there and jumps there. I said, yeah, you got it right. That's exactly what is happening. And that I need to change my code this way. I say, yes, do that. He did it. Then look at me and say, you know what? I found now five millions in my report that I had no idea where they went up to a few minutes ago. I knew the numbers were wrong, but I didn't know why. And suddenly the numbers were correct. What scares me is uh, the amount of people that are building reports that are wrong, so that are producing wrong numbers, and people don't know that. They just trust the numbers that they see because they have no way of controlling or debugging or checking them. And maybe they don't have the knowledge needed to, to correct them. As of today, we take for granted that whatever you see on a screen is correct. We think that people uh, actually debug their numbers. but In my experience, that doesn't happen so often. Not, uh, or at least not enough. So, to me, self-service BI as a topic in general is uh, extremely cool and terrifying at the same time. It's cool because it's very democratic. Everybody can analyze numbers. It's terrifying because anybody can analyze
0: a number. Mm-hmm. Even the people who do not have the knowledge to understand Those numbers. But wasn't it the same thing with Excel? I had the discussion a couple of of days ago. Um, Everyone who who gets a job in an office has Excel on on the computer. Nobody tells you how it works. And suddenly you have so huge financial models, and I'm not talking about data models, but models in in a spreadsheet. Uh, that nobody can control anymore and, and um, has an idea if the numbers are correct. People, I've seen people sitting in front of Excel and, and typing uh, the numbers into their own calculator to, to sum them up because they didn't know that they can put formulas in it. So it's, it doesn't matter which tool you're using, you need people knowing about how it works to, to make it run in a correct way. Yes, sir. I I agree and I cannot tell you exactly the
1: reason why Power BI is uh, scares me more than what Excel did probably just because of the amount of number that you can uh, manipulate with Power BI that is much larger hmm. so you can you can compute numbers which are even more wrong than uh, than the one you could type uh, with Excel but again this goes also back to a completely different topic. I'm just talking about that because it comes uh, to my mind right now, which is uh, the the importance of uh, proper training and the importance of understanding uh, the speed of development. I'm not making advertising for Master DAX. That's not what I want to do. But I can tell you that today, People expect training and results too fast. They expect you to be a junior developer with no previous knowledge about uh, business intelligence. They they sent to us for a three-day training. And I meet people, I teach to people, especially youngsters, that they're hungry for knowledge because they know that the next week they will start building reports. And when I see them, I look at them and say, come on, guy, you are young, you have no knowledge. I can teach you DAX, but I will never be able to teach you experience. I will never be able to give you in three days the kind of knowledge that you need to gain in order to build correct reports and build the correct KPI and go to a customer and solve a problem. People are, they want results too fast. They want everything to be done too quickly and they do not spend enough time on training. To me, a dashboard should be designed by a senior developer that has a lot of knowledge of the domain, of DAX, of the data modeling, and this is the kind of guy that should start building dashboards. Youngsters should start learning first, gaining experience, and maybe start building a dashboard after one, two, three years of experience where they have, they had the option of failing a lot of times. To me, the modern times, and you have no idea how this sentence makes me feel old, is, uh, uh, is requiring too much in terms of speed from people. We expect results to be too fast, too quick. We, we no longer have the patience to wait for the right amount of time to develop people and to develop knowledge. Everybody is worried about uh, obtaining a result very quickly. It looks, I mean, can you imagine that we talk about Power BI and we think that a report that runs in less than a couple of seconds is considered slow? That's hmm. our mindset today.
0: Yeah.
1: But uh, I always tell to all of my students, uh, a report should produce a number quickly, but the time that people need to spend reading a report should be measured in minutes, maybe hours. So if the report takes uh, 10 seconds to run, that's fine, because now that the numbers are on the screen, I expect somebody to look at the numbers and spend hours reasoning on those numbers and taking decisions. If they want the report to be reproduced in half a second, that means they are clicking, 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 looking at numbers on the screen. That's not the way to take any kind of decision. That's the way to look at numbers and be happy. Or the same stuff with real-time. Again, nowadays, everybody's worried about real-time reporting. I want the numbers to be the most recent that is possible. So I want them to be real-time. And again, to me, business intelligence means I want to analyze the trend of the last five years because I'm searching for patterns, I'm searching for decisions that are important. So that's the reason I want a lot of large numbers to identify patterns. Now, if you are looking at 10 years of data, you don't care at all about what happened in the last 10 seconds. Who cares about what happened today? I'm looking at 10 years of data today. is It's just data that doesn't make sense at all.
0: Maybe, maybe if they you, want to get entertained, seeing the numbers changing all the time. I I remember a a data visualization uh, training that I gave, and people were really quiet. They they followed. They didn't fall asleep, uh, but they didn't look really happy. But when you have this scatter plot in Power BI, you can also put a time axis on it and press the play button, and suddenly all these little bubbles uh, uh, move around. Maybe you have seen that before. Yeah, yeah. And suddenly they woke up. Something changed all the time. Uh, maybe it's about entertainment and not about an- uh, analyzing your data. I don't know.
1: No, I, I think the same. I mean, entertaining is important, of course, but, uh, but it's, we are no longer used to sit down and wait or take your time to do something slow. I don't know what happens in the rest of Europe, but at least in Italy, there is this idea of uh, slow food, which is against uh, the idea of fast food. Mm-hmm. So there is the fast food where you go take your hamburger, eat it quickly, and then start working again. And then there is this idea of slow food. So go to the restaurant, sit down, take your time. If uh, the the chef tells you that you have to wait 20 minutes for your plate because it's very complex to do, just wait, take your time, talk with the neighbor, do things slowly. And I honestly love that. Now, I, I'm a big fan, don't tell that to Mark, of course. <laughs> I, I of, won't. Of wasting time. To me, wasting time, that means doing absolutely nothing, is, uh, is likely to be the best time that I ever spend in my life. Most of the brilliant ideas, most of the, most of the new ideas that I ever developed in my life, they came in time that I was just wasting. So I was doing really nothing. And I can tell you, I remember my wife, before she became my wife, uh, we started living together and uh, she had no idea about what my job is. She doesn't yet, as of today. (laughs) She just believes that I spend my time looking at a computer, but she's not at all in computers. But uh, I remember she sitting uh, on the sofa and I was thinking at some problem, maybe some sentence to write in a book uh, or some problem for a customer. And my way of solving the problem was walking around in the house, uh, looking at the ceiling and just walking. That's what I was doing. So she saw me walking Thinking, looking at the ceiling, then looking at my foot, then at the ceiling again. And that might happen for half an hour. (laughs) And at some point, she stopped me and said, Hey, Alberto, now repeat that again. You are working now. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) That's exactly what I'm doing. I know it looks weird. But to me, wasting time, slowing down is. uh, is important. And if there is a suggestion that I would give to any youngster is don't run too fast. And if anybody asks you to run faster than is reasonable, just say no, take your time, slow down, because in that empty time, I think I have no proof of that apart except from my experience, but I think that our brain actually develops during uh, relaxed time, when we are asleep, when we watch a movie, when we enjoy the family, when we just uh, let our brain rest. I think that the economy today is stealing this this empty time and I have no idea where this is going. So I I honestly don't know if this is good or bad. Only the, the future will tell us that. To me, as an old man, I would say that uh, it's bad. Uh, I don't want people to to run too fast.
0: Yeah, missing the time of um, being with yourself, um, relaxing. And um, um, I don't agree, it's not wasting time. It's relaxing. That's something different. Wasting would mean you have no benefit from it, but you have. You get relaxed, you get ideas. So you're basically not doing nothing, you're relaxing, and it's not a waste of time.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. But again, it's, uh, that's one of the benefits uh, when you think about that, working from home, it means that you can take time for yourself if you need it. I remember, well, right, I, I mainly did it when I was watching Game of Thrones, but I remember watching the PC for half an hour and maybe I was thinking of the next sentence to write in a book, that happens. I mean, it happened to me to say one day looking at the monitor without writing a sentence because you write, delete, write, delete, write, delete, uh, and the process goes on the whole day. Then I realized that, uh, well, if that happens for more than half an hour, I just go away from the office, go to the sofa, put uh, anything on, uh, on the television, just stop thinking, and suddenly. After an hour watching uh, people killing, uh, killing in Game of Thrones,
0: you come back and say, "Hey, you know what? Now I know what to say." <laughs> okay, I'm. I'm not going to discuss um, if, if that kind of content is is a good way of. Um... Yeah, of course. R- relaxing for writing a book on Dax, but maybe that's necessary. Maybe this is maybe this is your success rule um, to create such good content. I should should um, try to follow you a big, because I've never seen Game of Thrones. I don't even know what it is. Never. Honestly. It's actually pretty good. Yeah, the book yeah. is much better. I don't know both both of them. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's a crazy story. Thanks for sharing. <laughs> uh, what, what I really appreciate. Um, and I think many people do because you have a lot of followers already on YouTube. Is that you? Let's say you reactivated your YouTube channel in in April 2020. Um, you you had it for a long time already, but then you started publishing your um, videos in a, on a regular basis. And I, I think it's a couple of weeks now that you um, also included your unplugged series where. Uh, People can yeah, almost see you thinking live because usually we see a problem and we see your solution. And people think, okay, this is how Marco and Alberto produce solutions. But uh, the Unplugged series is much longer and people see how you um, make assumptions, how you try different things and finally find the right way to the solution. Um, I find this really exciting and useful Whose idea was it to do that? Was it yours or Marcos' or was it um, a reader of your books who asked doing this? Yeah, you know,
1: keep in mind it's always very hard to tell you if an idea was mine or Marcos. Because because of the way we fight, Mm -hmm. we always come up with ideas, uh, but it's nearly impossible to tell you whether it was mine or him. For sure what, uh, well, the reason why we started again uh, the YouTube channel is because, uh, well, because we had plenty of time. So recording videos is something that we always wanted to do, but there was never time enough uh, to do that. We decided to start uh, and we take, what really drove us was uh, that we wanted, We started and we wanted to be vulnerable. What do you mean by vulnerable? We wanted to say, well, let's do what we can. If it's not perfect, uh, that's the best we can do today. If you look at the first uh, videos that are on the YouTube channel, they are taking uh, from uh, a phone because I didn't have a camera at the time, but I said, well, that's what I have now. So I just put the phone and start recording. The audio is horrible. There's a lot of echo. Uh, the lights are horrible, but we wanted to to, to let our students, our attendees and let everybody see what we were doing. So we decided to do that. Then over time we evolved. We bought stuff, gears, and we started uh, making a more professional looking videos. But, along with being more professional from uh, the video and audio setup side, also came out that this uh, totally wrong idea that uh, we always have the answer. We know how to solve a problem. This makes people far from us. It gives us, it gives the idea that uh, uh, Power BI never crashes with with us, or that we always know exactly what the next line of DAX will be. That is wrong. It's it's not true at all. Uh, A lot of times we spend uh, minutes, hours, uh, trying, testing different uh, solutions. In the final video, what you see is the final solution. And everybody says, uh, oh, it's so easy when we see you doing that. And I would answer yes, because you have not seen the time that it took me to build that solution. So of course it looks easy, but because I'm showing you just the final result, I'm not showing the process of building the result. And at some point we ask ourselves, is there a value in showing the process and also making people understand that, I mean, we struggle like everybody else. A lot of times we do not have the answer or we work for maybe an hour just to conclude that it doesn't work, so we don't have a solution. And so we decided, what if we try to do the unplugged series? So the unplugged is, uh, turn on the camera, start working, don't think too much about the people watching you, just record the process of uh, solving a problem. We try them and it looks like people are liking it because it's a very different, It's a very different kind of video. The value that you get from an unplugged is not just the DAX code, but the entire process of uh, thoughts. On the other hand, but again, this goes back to the topic we were discussing earlier. An unplugged video might last for one hour, two hours. So you don't have the quick solution. If you want to see an Unplugged, you need to take the time that is needed to slow down and see an entire process. To me, this is good. So I was a big fan of the Unplugged series and I told Marco that we need to do them. But that goes against the perception of users. The original idea was we need to make videos that are no longer than five minutes.
0: Mm.
1: Five, 10 minutes most. And I remember having a very violent discussion with Marco about that, because the numbers that are on the web tells you that uh, people can concentrate for no more than 10 minutes. So if you build a video that is half an hour, that's too much, nobody will ever look at that. So at the beginning, it was very hard to record videos that are short because it's not in my nature. I cannot make a short video. It's really hard for me. And I was producing video, maybe 12 minutes of video, and Marco was sending it back saying, hey, that's too long. You need to make it shorter, much shorter than that. After some time I said, you know what? I don't mind. So to me, the video is, uh, the length of the video is exactly what it takes to record that video. I don't mind at all about anybody telling me that the length should be no more than 10 minutes. And so I started recording longer videos and we discovered that people watch them. So there is actually no difference between a short and a long video. Then we started doing the unplugged, which is half an hour, one hour, and people still watch them. So in a sense, uh, uh, what I'm trying to do is uh, get rid of uh, time as one of the constraints for watching or learning anything. The time that is required is the time needed, whatever this time is. And I see people are watching them, so it's it's good. And I think this will go even farther. So expect videos which are probably will be even longer than that. Yeah, hopefully.
0: To be scary, I mean, I would not be able to watch myself for two hours. Uh. <laughs> it, it depends on the topic you're talking about. If I needed to get a deeper understanding um, of, of DAX um, or DAX and, and solve my problems, why not? By the way, you say DAXA. That's beautiful. Yeah, that, that was because of you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you're selling your videos. You have a great mastering DAX and a great um, optimizing DAX course. Uh, Those videos are eight, nine hours long. So people are buying and and watching it uh, too. So why not for for free on YouTube? Well, I think that is very different. Um, When you watch a video,
1: when you buy a video training, you know it's going to be longer but you are not expected to consume it uh, all in one step. So people watch the Master and Ducks training, maybe they take a month from start to finish, and in the meantime, they do exercises, they do a lot of things. So that is a, a full training that is very long. Whereas the videos that we do on YouTube, they are not a training. We do not pretend to actually teach topics. We just take a problem and we try to solve it.
0: Hmm.
1: For example, one video that I plan to do, or videos that we are doing, is answering questions on the forum. People ask us a question, and we can either answer, that takes five minutes, or we can say, well, you know what? I'll show you how I answer the question. So I need to test the model, I need to build a sample, I need to test some code. And that takes half an hour, maybe an hour of video. We are not actually teaching, uh, we are just uh, showing what we're doing. So it's, uh, to me, it's amazing. And it's uh, honestly, I think amazingly good, uh, the thing that people watch these kind of videos because it means that uh, there's still hope. People are still willing to waste time <laughs> it's, to it's learn not, things. It's not a waste of time. <laughs> Once again. Exa- yeah, but I agree with you. I wonder what happens if, uh, imagine that you are an emplo- employed in a company and the boss uh, comes at your desk and sees that you are watching a video. Goes back, goes to do something else, comes back an hour later and sees that you are still watching a video. Hmm. Do you think that boss will be happy you spending uh, one two hours of your work hours watching a video?
0: Probably not. But especially because you're dealing with a topic that should be clicky, clicky, draggy, drubby. <laughs> I, I I think um um I, I I love this clicky, clicky, draggy, drubby. Uh, but I think the marketing for Power BI is is wrong. It's, it's self-service BI. It's so easy. It's just one click from raw data to. Um, The final report in the service you can share on any device. Everything works fine, security included, blah, 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 blah. And uh, yes, it it can be so simple, but we all know how quickly it gets complicated. And suddenly you don't know where you are and where your numbers are and what happened. And um, especially those people who will never develop an uh, own report because uh, they are one management level higher and just take decisions, don't understand why, what is ETL? What do you need it for? What is a data model? I just want a report. Why does it take so long? What for a single measure? What, what are you doing? And um, yeah, you have to to explain a lot that people understand it's not that quick. It takes time.
1: Yeah, but in a sense, I think you are right. And uh, for that, I mainly blame uh, Microsoft which is not blaming Microsoft specifically, but the economics of the marketing. Think about the clicky, I mean, you have seen us, I guess most of anybody who listen to this uh, podcast have seen the clicky, clicky, draggy, droppy demo. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, there are billions of rows and the report is amazingly fast in analyzing them. The message, the message that that demo sends, is that it is so easy, so fast. And if you, if it is not that easy, that means you're an idiot. You don't know how to do your job. From the boss level, if the boss looks at that demo, says, "Well, I want that clicky, 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 draggy, dropy too. So do that." I think a much, it would be better but I also understand that from a marketing point of view, it would be a suicide to show how complex was to make that demo clicky, clicky, draggy, droppy, and how easy is to change one line in the report or to change the column that you are slicing by and see that it's no longer clicky, clicky, draggy, droppy. So you can build, imagine for a second, if Christian during that demo made a mistake. So instead of using the right column, used the wrong one in the middle of the demo. I mean, Christian is a professional. He knows how to run a demo that is totally perfect. So that demo always went right. But if he made any mistake and Power BI suddenly had to query billions of rows in direct query against whatever powerful SQL Server was, that demo would take maybe one minute to run the report. Mm. In a sense, it would be bad because the demo was wrong and people will not be so excited. But on the other hand, it would also pass the message that uh, yeah, I show you what can be done, but I also show you the reality. So not only the clicky, clicky, dragy, dropy, but also that if you made a mistake or if you do not build the report the right way, or if you use it in a way that is not the one it is designed for, then it's gonna be slow. So to me, this is what it means of uh, being vulnerable, not being scared of showing uh, that things are not always perfect, uh, that Power BI is totally cool, it's extremely powerful, but it's not perfect.
0: Uh, it- yeah, but that's a different story, being vulnerable as a teacher makes you more attractive to people who think they could never reach your level. And now they see that you're struggling yourself and that you're a human being. For a product, it's a different story, at least from my side.
1: Yeah, but it's a different story because of your perception. Not because uh, it it actually is a different story. So, I don't know how to explain that, but... uh, uh, The the very concept of perfection does not exist at all. So there is no product that is perfect. And uh, I would appreciate a product or an advertisement that tells me about the strength and the weaknesses of the product. So I know what I'm buying. If the advertisement is only about the strength, as all the advertisements are, then I need to... (laughs) discover the weaknesses by myself. And the weakness is when I will be in trouble. So if I buy any product that does not show me the weakness, the reality is that I buy a product for which I will be in trouble at some point, and it is not stating when I will be in trouble and the reason for. Imagine a car. You buy a car and uh, if you look at the advertisement of cars, they tell you about uh, their speed, their acceleration, how comfortable they are. But what do you think, in your opinion, what is the most important part of a car?
0: The, important, uh, part of the most important part of a car? Um, for me, it's security. It's To me, is
1: the brakes. Yeah. I mean, whatever, whatever, but I want the car that can brake. Yeah. And that is secure. So I would like to hear people talk about, uh, I mean, show me the car, show me how fast it is, show me how comfortable it is, and show me what happens when it crashes. Do an advertisement where you show the crash test of a car.
0: I guess Volvo did it in the past.
1: I think the Swedes did it. I think, yes, I've seen some some advertisement, but not many. No. Typically, you see road mountains, uh, cars <laughs> with families <laughs> driving uh, or <laughs> off-road driving. Uh, that's what you see. It's, uh, it's very emotional. They try to, to show you how cool you will feel in that car. But again, I would like to see something more true that shows the power and also the weakness. So so I can buy with confidence because maybe, I mean, once I'm fine with uh, the limitations, I'm fine. I remember many, many years ago, I bought a software because uh, the the salesman came to my office, uh, showed me the power of the software that he was about to sell me. And the reason why I bought it is because I asked him if that software was doing, what, had a feature that was very important to me. And the salesman just said me, no, it does not have this feature and never will have. And I say, oh, so now I know that I'm talking with a salesperson that is not trying to sell me anything. He's just telling me the truth. Hmm. This feature is important. I know I will not have it. I can find a workaround. That's fine. But I also know that all the other questions that received the yes as an answer, it was true. So I had a very clear picture of what I was buying. Yeah, it's about trust. Exactly. But trust means... uh, Trust to me is very linked to vulnerability. So you show your strength, you show your weaknesses, and I have a full picture of you, of you, your product, your company, your, your whatever. So clicky, clicky, draggy, droppy was a beautiful demo. I'm sorry, Christian, if you are listening to that, but I strongly advise you to also show the bad things and, and think that uh, they are not bad. As I said, a report that runs in a minute is not bad. Not at all. If the value of the report uh, is good, it's not bad. I remember I had a customer somewhere in uh, the US. They were building furniture and they were doing a basket analysis on top of their data. They wanted to understand which kind of wood goes with colors and with different kind of furniture they built. Mm -hmm. So it was a basket analysis on three levels. The formula was amazingly complex, like five pages of DAX code that the student sent me, very proud of the code, said, hey, I learned how to write this DAX code. I'm super happy. And I asked him, say, yeah, it's really cool, but it's probably going to be slow. He said, yeah, this report now when the user clicks on the selection runs for around 3 minutes before Ooh. it produces an answer i say wow 3 minutes it's, it's really long and he answered me no 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 you have no idea before with the previous software we were using it took 2 days to build the same report <laughs> so 3 minutes <laughs> is nothing <laughs> light speed exactly Actually, for the kind of complexity, is, uh, it was pretty good. Three minutes was not a bad uh, bad result at all. But again, you, I mean, I've seen and heard it in your voice. When I say three minutes, you say, oh my God, that's too much. No, that's the right amount of time. It's not faster, it's useless. Hmm. Beside three minutes uh, and think about that means that it takes more time for you to ask the question: If you know that you will not have an answer before three minutes, you would be very careful in asking the right question. Because if you make any mistake in asking the question, you will have to wait three minutes to get an answer. And so you need to wait three minutes again for the next one.
0: I, I completely understand what you're saying. And I, I agree on most of it. But I have never met a customer who would agree on it's okay waiting three minutes after each click for getting a result. As you say, it depends on the calculation. Most of the calculations um, I do for customers are pretty simple. So they run fast, uh, but 10 seconds is the maximum. And that would already be slow for most of my customers.
1: I mean, I, I totally agree with you. And, uh, I spent so much time optimizing code that I know that milliseconds matter. But the thing is, I would love to super optimize code, but I would also love to live in a world where three minutes or half an hour to build a report would be considered just the right amount of time. I I know it's a it's I'm saying one thing and the opposite in the same sentence but I think that it's a it's a problem of modern times it's not a problem of uh, computers computers are fast as humans we are not computers we should live at human speed not at computer speed I don't mind if it takes uh, a millisecond for a computer to run a report. Then I know that it takes me two hours to read the report. So I will never ask more than one query every two hours.
0: That is fine. I I would be happy to live in such a world. (laughs) Crazy to hear that from you. I didn't expect that. But yeah, it makes totally sense for sure um you you and and marco you made a transition during the last years from um developers geeks to still geeks but more teachers right yeah so you you had a big switch and of course due to this self service bi thing uh many many people without technical background and by the way i'm one of them uh, i'm i'm a financial controller with excel background um are dealing with these topics so you have to deal with students who are different from the students you had before so how how difficult was it for you to make an excel user comfortable with business intelligence concepts
1: ah that's an interesting question and uh well what we had to do was to change the way we speak, was to understand what cannot be taken for granted and what is interesting for the other party. So if I speak with a geek or with anybody from IT, I can use one language, I can speak about bytes. I can speak about parallelism, about memory. I can speak a very technical language. And I know that anything that I say will be interesting for him because uh, we speak the same language and we are both technicians. Whereas if I speak with a business person, uh, then it's very unlikely he's interested at all in how many bytes an integer uses in Power BI and why obtaining the most level of compression on a table would speed up of milliseconds a query on a table. Instead, I need to speak about business topic. I need to speak about, uh, I need to use a different language. So we had to change our language and we had to change uh, uh, not the level, the complexity, but to change uh, what we take for granted. So we. As of today, we teach in classroom with people that have no knowledge at all about computers. They are not geeks. They are just, as you said, controllers or uh, people used to excel. It was not hard. Uh, It was just a transition. Transition as many that happens. Uh, If you read uh, the two versions of The Definite Guide to to Dax, our book, uh, the first version is still somewhat geeky. The last version is much less geeky. It's more practical and tries to to talk with people that do not necessarily have a technical background. Apart from the last part, it goes very, very deep in in the engine. On the other hand, uh, we also learned a lot because uh, talking with geeks, you take a lot of things for granted, but you also do not learn a lot of things. As talking with persons with different backgrounds, you learn about uh, their business, you learn how what they do, you learn uh, how they use uh, Power BI. And this is uh, to me, this is amazing. Just to give you an idea, I was a, a few weeks ago, I was talking at a, a user group session, and there was a guy in. Uh, At the end, during the Q and A, that was talking about uh, how what is what are what are the best features of Power BI, and he said, "Well, you know what? The feature that I like the most is the anomaly detection." I said, "I like it the most because I actually used it a few days ago." He was analyzing the uh, number of accidents of their cars. It was. uh, He was managing public transport for a town. So we're talking about buses and uh, uh, school bus and stuff like that. Mm. Sometimes they have car accidents as any other car and each of them was monitored. He said, I just ran through Power BI the analysis of the number of accidents by day and by hour. And they discovered that I don't remember the details, but something like on Thursday at uh, Thursday afternoon, uh, there was a, an anomaly. So it was normal that on Thursday afternoon, the number of crashes was higher. And I said, why? So they started to try to understand the reason for, and it turned out that, that because of the way the shifts of drivers were organized, the people driving in that moment in time Uh, already had a lot of hours of uh, Mm. uh, work on their shoulders. So they were more tired. And a tired driver is more likely to have an accident. Sure. So they changed it. They changed the way the shifts are organized in order to have more fresh drivers on that time. And that was reducing the number of accidents, which means uh, less risks, uh, more people saved, uh, less uh, less money wasted. And uh, the thing is that after having told you this story, I was now, I just wanted to recap and reconnect with uh, the previous topic, and I have no idea what the previous topic
0: was. So I have no that, way of that's, that's reconnecting with it. That's totally me. fine. That could have been me, but um, of course I have my um, my points written down here on my screen. Um the thing is how m- make you excel users comfortable you you said you changed your your language to um bring this BI concept yeah. to people who have no technical background
1: Yes yeah. yeah we changed we became more teachers and uh yeah we we just changed our language we changed the 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 kind of topic we we teach So in some way we changed, but I can also tell you another uh, detail that is it is much easier to teach DAX uh, to an Excel user that had no previous knowledge of a programming language uh, than it is uh, to teach DAX uh, to a super expert of SQL or MDX. Uh, because DAX is so different uh, than SQL, and it is so different than MDX uh, that if you if we start from a, a completely empty mind, I can build on top of it. So I can teach you the details, you learn them and that's fine. But if you already knew SQL, if you already knew MDX, if you are a developer and you know a programming language, then before building DAX, I first need to destroy what is there. And that takes time. So showing you that DAX is different than what you already know takes time, a lot of time. Once I destroy that, then I can start to build on top of it. So it's actually easier to me to teach uh, to people that have no knowledge uh, than it is to teach to people that already either think they know DAX uh, or they have a lot of experience with different programming languages. So it's, uh, it's really cool to teach to people that have different backgrounds, even because... We no longer teach just to geeks, but we teach to other people, to normal people, to people that do their daily job, and uh, and that is uh, pretty cool. We also learn about their business. Uh, I learn about so many strange businesses uh, from our my customers that it's uh, it's always exciting to to see how they use DAX and the kind of
0: calculations they do. Do you still program MDX, and uh, does it confuse you? No, no, I stopped using MDX
1: something like uh, 10 years ago, maybe a bit longer than that. And the reason is uh, that's a limitation I think in my brain, but uh, while I was learning DAX, I discovered myself that I was forgetting MDX. Mm -hmm. So my brain either thinks in DAX or it thinks in MDX. What I cannot do is use both languages at the same time. So I had to take a decision. Either proceed with DAX and forget MDX or keep MDX and know that I would never be good, very good on DAX. Of course, as you might imagine, I decided to forget MDX and <laughs> <laughs> I proceeded with DAX. I think this is my limitation. So. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody tells me, hey, you know what? I use both DAX and MDX at the same time and I'm totally fine with that. Oh, we could ask me Chris Webb, it. he knows it. Yes, for sure. We could also ask Marco too because uh, he knew MDX much better than me. But I would bet even Markov would be in trouble today writing uh, MDX on top of his, just with no help. For me, for sure. I can no longer write MDX. I My mind is now stuck with DAX and I would find it really, really hard. That doesn't work with SQL. I can use SQL and DAX at the same time, but not SQL at MDX. And I honestly don't know the reason for that. I don't even know whether it's common or not. So that might be an interesting question for people on uh, on Twitter or whatever.
0: Yeah, or if someone listens to this and knows both languages, please put it in the comments below.
1: Yeah, that, we, we that would, would be interesting. We would learn. be
0: interested, yeah. Cool. Um, that that leads me to my final question. If you hadn't become an BI expert, what would you have become instead?
1: Ah, that's an interesting question. I guess that depends on <laughs> <It> depends. the <laughs> <course>. next friend... <laughs> No, uh, it depends from one detail. Because, you know, I'm a business intelligence expert because I am I went to visit Marco during that period when I was choosing my next job. So maybe if uh, for whatever reason the car broke, I, I would probably have become something different. <laughs> I would bet uh, for sure... It would be something related to databases because I've always been a big fan of databases. Even though my original nature was that of being a researcher, that was my original goal. I ended the university and I wanted to become a teacher. Mm-hmm.
0: What 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 kind of teacher? Uh, a university
1: teacher, okay. and because I I know that I cannot teach to youngsters if. I cannot teach to a teenager because uh, I don't mind about uh, people enough to be good at teaching at teenagers. You really need to push knowledge in the head of teenagers as hard as you can because they don't want to learn. Yeah, I mean, they are teenagers, so it's normal that they don't want to learn and i'm not, not i'm not able to do that whereas at the university you don't care at all about students i mean you teach and if they study it's good if they don't study you simply give them a bait vote and that's it uh so university teacher to me was uh, an option and which topics i don't know at the time i was studying lambda calculus which nobody knows what it is i yeah. totally i mean People cannot see your face, but I can. <laughs> and by the, your face, I can easily tell that <laughs> it looks like, what? Uh, the, the reason why I did not become a kisher is exactly your face right now. I was a researcher. I was studying uh, strict, strictness analysis using type systems in Lambda Calculus, uh, a topic that uh, probably five 10 people on the planet find interesting. <laughs> so many. So, so many, yeah. I remember the feeling of going to conferences as a researcher, showing my topic and discovering that five people were listening and they were really excited about my topic. All the remaining part of the room were just sleeping or taking notes or writing doodles on paper because uh, I was speaking a different language. And uh, the reason why I stopped being a researcher is because I, I got tired of not being able to answer, what's your job? So when people ask me, hey, what's your job? And I say, well, I'm a researcher at the university. Oh, cool, and what are you studying? say, you know what, I can try to explain that to you, but you will not be interested at all. So I decided to do something more practical, just to be able to interact with other people.
0: (laughs) That's an interesting reason.
1: Uh, So I probably would have become a teacher anyway, because that was the initial project at the very beginning. And uh, life changed made me a CEO, then a consultant, then a book writer, and finally again a teacher. So I ended up doing exactly what I wanted to do, even if, even though the topic was different than I was thinking. But BI is a good mixture. I probably might have been a DBA or a teacher about databases, because I love databases, I might have been a business consultant uh, that I don't know. Whatever, the important part is that computers should be involved. Something that really scares me is what I would have become if I was born a hundred years earlier, if there were no computers. I mean, I really don't know. I, there's nothing else that I know how to do. Don't I just talk know about how Game
0: to, of Thrones.
1: <laughs> no, but I mean, if you give me a computer, then I shine. I really know how to make it work. But if you ask me to, to do anything else, ask my wife. I don't know even where to start. Cooking or uh, <laughs> just
0: drilling a hole in the wall, to me, is a serious problem. Um, It's the same for me, kind of uh this uh, making a hole in the wall thing at least but uh w- what i learned during the years is that passionate people always find something uh where they can shine and if the topic changes they find another passion somehow so i'm i'm pretty confident that you you would find another topic you would be perfect in uh when there were no computers at all yeah maybe maybe I mean, nobody will ever
1: know that. I'm so just so glad that computers were there when I was 15 and I had the option of learning them because otherwise I would be something different. But I, I remember I, I would, before deciding for computers, I wanted to, to, to be a physician. That was my dream when I was uh, 13, 14. Then I realized that, that being a physician means uh, that if you make a mistake, you might uh, cost uh, the life of somebody. Physicians, as anybody else, they make mistakes. But their mistake uh, their mistake is very expensive in terms of human lives. Hmm. And I was not able to deal with that. So thinking that, that the life of, of somebody might depend on my choice. Uh, was too much. And I was 14 at the time. And exactly at that time, uh, my old brother gave me his uh, uh, calculator. It was actually a programmable, cal- programmable calculator. Mm-hmm. I started using it. And a month after having used it for the first time, my path to computer was. Uh, written I totally knew that physician was not an option the attorney was not an option the business consultant was not an option computers was the way to go so I was 14 when I chose my path and uh, and that was lucky because having a clear
0: path when you are so young makes life so easy I think a hundred thousand subscribers on your SQL bi uh, website would agree on that Great that you made this path. <laughs>
1: well, <laughs> thanks.
0: Very, very cool. Um, I I don't know what to say. Um, you almost made me speechless. It was a very intense, a very personal talk, uh, which I honestly didn't expect. So thanks for your openness and uh, the insights. I, I promise I make sure Marco will never hear about this episode. I... Thank you for that. That would create me a lot of problems. But, you know,
1: I think Marco will never listen to the episode because listening to my voice for an hour or whatever is the time that we spent so far, that's too much for
0: him. <laughs> okay, he will, he will get the written show notes for sure. <laughs> More likely. Very cool. Um, I really appreciate your time. I'm really happy we could do this finally together. And... Um, Yeah, I can only say stay healthy. Thanks a lot and um, goodbye. Thanks a lot to you. Goodbye.